Hey guys, okay, we are diving into the COVID deception again. I gotta do it because I don't want us to fall for the same tricks we've already fallen for. And we're praising God that masks are off our face and we're, for the first time in my life, we might be rooting against Disney. Let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for your loyalty to this podcast. If you have been someone who has listened since the get-go, I know there's a hand few of you, and I'm just, I just want to take a minute. We've been podcasting together, you and I, for a little over a year, if you can believe it, and I've been consistently averaging a podcast a week, so I'm proud of that also, and I just want to say thank you if you have been listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you if you've been sharing, and if you haven't been sharing, now's your chance. You have another opportunity. If you can throw it on social media or if you can just share it with a family member or a friend who shares this this same school of thought or feelings about things or, or wants to be kept in the loop or if you feel this has offered you value in a specific way, if you can share that kind of testimony, if you will, um, it is a challenge to live in the world outside of social media. And although I totally encourage people to cut the cord and jump off social media. If you haven't yet, you still have a great reach, a greater reach than I have. And if you'd be open to sharing it, I would love that. More importantly, maybe even than sharing my podcast, if you have not checked out my new devotional 30 days, a 30-day devotional, it's called A Devotional for a Divided Nation. It is at my website, gainingmyperspective.com, which will be linked in the show notes. And it is... um, a encouragement for this moment in history using scripture and my testimony, my humor, my perspective, of course, gaining my perspective to help us get through this crazy time and help build our faith and just be encouraged in the truth of God through this crazy time in history because there's just so much to be positive and encouraged about. I actually was reached out to by a girlfriend who I just love her faith and she's just been a friend for a really long time and she was really kind of emotional and a little bit overwhelmed with just all the things that are going on in her personal life. When you compound that with what's happening in the world, it just, you know, sometimes it just gets to you with all this stuff. And she asked me, you know, how I manage with knowing all that I know and and reading all that I read and understanding all that I understand and still feel calm and peace. And I'm like, isn't that the deal, right? Like that's the Bible tells us that we should have peace that surpasses understanding, right? And I just know that I've done, I I have embraced the spirit of Joseph. I have embraced what information God has given me and the understanding that he's given me. And I've tried to help people as much as I possibly could be prepared for what's to come. And then I trust that God is sovereign over it and that it's all for my good in the end. And I'm down. I'm down for whatever his plans are because his plans are good and his ways are higher. And I'm I'm in. I'm in on his game. So it does give me peace and it does not bring me fear. It brings me confidence as we look down the barrel of what could possibly be coming. So I tried to impart all that 
into my devotional. I hope it serves you. So if you haven't checked that out, please do. Also jump on my newsletter. You can find that at Gaining My Perspective also. That's enough of the shameless plugging. Okay, so today I just wanted to go over a couple of things um, that, you know, obviously I want to talk for a hot minute about Disney and what this all means in terms of um, what they just lost in Florida. And then I kind of just want to go through a couple of things with COVID again and beat the dead horse with the jabs. Just, you know, what do we know now that we're over a year into the jab craziness, you know, just the mandates and Although the mandates have kind of fallen out of the um, the main mainstream narrative, if you will, we're not really talking about the mandates as much. There are still quite a lot of people that feel the pressure of, of having to get it. I do feel like there's a little bit of a line that's been drawn, and I'm excited to hear it, that... It, basically, if you're not going to get it, you're just not like it's over. It's done. There's not much that anybody's going to say or do to make you get it at this point. But maybe you have gotten it and you regret it. Maybe you have gotten it and you got it under, you know, like you felt like you were forced to get it and maybe wouldn't have chosen that of your own volition. And I'm so sad for that. I'm so sad for that. But maybe you're somebody that's looking down the barrel of the booster or we still don't know what is in front of us in terms of if we're going to be continually mandated. We don't know if this is going to come and rear its ugly head again. We just don't know. And so I just want to reassess when we're in a moment that's outside of the crisis for this moment. We're just at a little bit of a rest in the, the mandate, you know, heave and ho, and reevaluate where we're at with what was what we were told and what has panned out to be true so that we can just remember that the people who say they have our best at heart it's very clear if you look at the information that they don't, that it's not about us. It's not about our health. It's not about societal health. It's not about the other person. It's not about grandma. It's about power. It's about control. It's about money. And it, I'll just leave it at that. It might be about things even far more sinister than that, as we've talked about on this podcast, but I, I don't even want to go down that road because we know that that's a possibility. We know that that's in the Bible. We know that all signs kind of point that direction, but we don't need to stew on that. Let's just pretend that these people have just been naive or that these people have just been, you know, misled or whatever. They've just fallen victim to the misinformation campaign that is the mainstream narrative. But before we jump into that, I just want to say hallelujah for masks off our faces on airplanes. Oh my word, I am thrilled. My mom was here visiting for two weeks and she flew here with a mask and she got to be the very first day of flying home without a mask. And I, my sister also was traveling that day and she got to fly without a mask. And I'm just, oh my gosh, what a, what, what a joy just to come back to something so simple. Like, but man, let's just relish in these small victories. And I know that there's a lot of people who still feel a lot of angst. And I just want to remind everybody, you're absolutely still welcome to wear a mask because they're not mandated does not mean that you cannot wear it. Of course, you always could and you still always can. And this is what is, you know, we've said this before, the ultimate thing that separates the the principles of the right side of the aisle and the principles of the left side of the aisle is that 
The right says you can do whatever you want. Like, I'm not going to tell you you can't do that. And the left is, I am going to tell you you can't do that. I am going to tell you that you have to believe what I believe. The right says you can believe whatever you want to believe. Just don't bother me about it, right? Ultimately, it's almost more libertarian, I'll be honest, because sometimes, you know, the Republicans can be very much like you have to do what I want to. Everybody's not perfect. Everybody's not perfect. There you go. Excellent grammar for you. <laughs> so I am super stoked about that, but I just want to draw some attention again when it just amazes me that these people will say the, the quiet part out loud because our friend Jen Psaki at the White House, our press secretary, actually said that the reason they that the DOJ is ultimately repealing um, uh, this mandate that came from the judge, or I should say this ruling that came from the judge um, in Florida is not because they actually want to reinstate the mask mandate on planes. They probably don't because they actually need the win for midterms and they can somehow position it as a win for them because Democrats are really good at positioning themselves wherever they think they can fool people, like how they're trying to position themselves as the people who have always been against defunding the police. Uh, yeah, we know that you're not the ones that have been against defunding the police, but they just like to jump into these little places and be like, no, we've always been standing here. So somehow they're going to say that we got masks off of planes, which they didn't, but they will watch. They will position themselves as this is a win for us for the midterms. And it ultimately does look good because people are feeling better. People are not feeling as oppressed. That works in their favor. Um, it doesn't it doesn't motivate, it eliminates, I should say, the motivation of the alternative voter against Democrats, right? The people that would be really fired up to vote against somebody who is keeping masks on their face, right? So it takes away a little of the incentive of the opposition. So that's why they would position themselves. But anyway, back to what Saki said, she said that the reason they're appealing this decision is not because they want to reinstate the mask mandate. It is so that they have the power. They want to protect the power of the CDC to be able to put mask mandates back on in the future. You guys, I cannot believe she said that out loud. It's not because they actually think they need masks. It's not because they're they're like, oh, whoa, my gosh, people are going to die because of this. It's not because they're saying the science suggests we really do need masks on plane on planes. None of those things are true. The reason they're repealing this is because they are trying to protect the ability to do it in the future. I just want us to really stew on that for a minute when we think that this pandemic is over, when we think that everything's going to go back to normal and we don't have to worry about it anymore. I want you to remember those things. I want you to see those as little red flags like, oh no, they still got plans for this. They still want to control us for no reason. But I, in the meantime, while we put that a file it away in the back of our brain, I still want to be super excited that wherever I fly next, it just made me, I actually am booking a flight today. I'm booking a flight today because I'm so excited to go somewhere and uh, not wear a mask on my face. So I hope they see a re resurgence in flight bookings and people, it's very, very clear the people are voting with their dollars that they are much more willing to travel now that they don't have to wear that dirty rag across their face. Awesome. 
it never made sense. It was always just very arbitrary, which is the word that the judge used. And praise God for a 35-year-old brave woman judge, Trump appointee, to make such a stand after all this time to be the brave one. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're young and you're a woman and you're doing it. And I think it's great because I recognize gender and I want to celebrate a powerful woman <laughs> in her position doing big things that affect the entire country. So there's my tirade on that. Disney, what did they win and lose? Essentially, this is now moving to Governor DeSantis's desk to be passed into law. It has already passed the Florida Senate and the Florida House to essentially strip. It's called Reedy, Reedy Creek, which is just another word for essentially think of it as like the incorporation of Disney, like their physical like if they were their own state, if Disney World in Florida were its own state, that would be called Reedy Creek, okay? And years ago, I believe it was in the 70s, um, they were given the ability to essentially self-govern. So they pay taxes to themselves and then they get permission to do things from themselves, right? So it's kind of ridiculous that it ever existed. And I'll be honest, it was very likely Republicans who, you know, paved that way to begin with, um, you know, made that possible for Disney to do that because Republicans used to be the very pro-corporate party, you know, pro-big business party because of donors and big money and all that stuff. So it's probably Republicans' fault that it existed, but now it's Republicans' fault that it's going away. Either way, I think it's great. It should have never existed to begin with. They're not above the law. They're not above any other company. And this is coming from a Disney fan, or I should say an ex-Disney fan, a potentially, hopefully, future Disney fan, if they can get their act together. But what it did is it essentially eliminated tax breaks, yes. But this is, um, I'm reading from an article that I thought was really really clear. It says, previously, Disney paid taxes to Reedy Creek, which it controlled and which it operated. So it operated its own fire department, planning department, sewer treatment plant, and public works department. Disney fully controls Reedy Creek, which means anytime they want to build a new hotel or highway, they just have to ask themselves for permission the biggest loss for Disney will be losing that self-governance. So it's not just a tax break that they lost. It's actually, they're going to have to now go through regular checks and balances, ask for permission to do things from the state of Florida, which is essentially asking for permission from the people of Florida, which is where the power should always remain, right? So I have some mixed opinions and thoughts about this Disney thing because it's I, of course, think that they should have never had these privileges to begin with. That corporation should not be any different than any other corporation or given any privileges that another corporation doesn't have. And I don't think corporations should have special privileges. Let me just say that. But it makes me nervous because when the left weaponizes the state against the people, I don't like that or corporations. And so I also equally don't like when the right weaponizes the state against the people or corporations, especially in this case, it does feel retaliatory in regards to Disney came out and was against the parents' rights and education bill that, that passed in Florida. We talked about that on a previous podcast. Now, do I think Disney should have come out against that? Obviously not. I think that's dumb and crazy. Like your audience is parents. Why are you taking a stand against parents when that's your main audience? But there's natural consequences to that. 
And Disney has already experienced a lot of those natural consequences in, you know, the the um, protests that are happening at their parks and in the falling of their membership to Disney Plus and in the uh, falling of their stock price. And all of those things are free market consequences to taking political stance. And I don't think they should take any political stance. And again, I also believe that they should have been stripped of their rights that they had under the Reedy Creek deal. I just hate that it happened one after the other in retaliation of the first thing. Part of me wants to cheer because sometimes it's like, well, the left has been doing it for so long, but I just hate when it feels hypocritical. So I'm glad that it's done. I'm glad that they don't have those privileges and I don't think they should have had them to begin with, but I don't like when we have to do the same thing, when we have to use the same offensive tactics against the other side as they always use against us and we hate it when they use it against us because it's ridiculous and unfair. So there's my thoughts on the Disney thing. Let's go to the meat and potatoes of what I want to talk about today. And I am reading from or referencing a newsletter that I read every morning. It's called Coffee and COVID. I will link it in the show notes. I love it. It's very much like, like my jam. It is sarcastic and funny and, and to the point. And it gives you news every day on what's happening with COVID, the jabs, the gentleman, his name's Jeff Childs, I think, Jeff something or other. Jeff Childers is a lawyer in Florida. So he kind of talks a little bit about stuff that's going in Florida, going on in Florida, which of course it feels like as goes Florida, as goes the nation, or so we hope anyway. It's good to kind of get a feel for what's going on from his legal perspective in that state. But he also talks about Florida and, or I'm sorry, COVID and jabs and, and the, you know, looking through the a legal lens. And he's also starting some commentary on the war in, in Ukraine and whatnot. So it's, it's a brief little newsletter comes into my email and I read it every day. And he did a great job this, this week of kind of assessing some of the claims that were originally made about the jab and fact-checking them with sources. And so, I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll link this newsletter and you can look up, look up the sources for yourself. It is so important, like I said, in this lull where we're not feeling the pressure so much to get the vaccine at every turn, it does feel like some of that pressure is, is lightening up. I just want us to go back right now in this moment where we're not feeling so scared and fearful and look at what we, what we were made to do based on the lies that we were told so that we don't fall victim to it again, so that the next round of jabs or the next thing that sounds insane and, and that they threaten you with, you're more armed with knowledge, information, and confidence. So you know where to look, so you know what to like, what deceptions they're gonna try again. It's just so insane to me and so sad because like, I know so many people, I have loved ones who got this jab. I know a lot of them got it for fear because their doctor told them to, because they were afraid of actually dying of COVID, because they thought that it was more deadly than it was, because they were going to lose a job, because they wanted to travel, fill in the blank. There were so many reasons. I also have tons of friends that are unvaccinated, that are traveling wherever the heck they want to travel without being vaccinated, you guys, in and out of the country all over this country, going on cruises, going here and there. Like, I know people who have gone wherever the heck you want to go without being vaccinated. So even the lie that I want to be able to travel, you're still able to travel. That's never a restriction that was put on us. There's just additional hoops you have to jump through. It's not fun, but it's not fun to inject a, 
unknown substance into our body either, is it? So the first fact that we were told, and this was a big one from the get-go, and I just was screaming it as loud as I possibly could because I saw this one right through from the beginning, was that you're not going to get COVID if you have the vaccine. This is a line from Joe Biden. He famously said this very late in the game, actually, when it was already, he was fact-checked because by that point, we knew that you could get it, <laughs> even though you had it. But he said that even still as the president of the United States, and he was not banned from Facebook or anywhere else that I'm aware of for saying such a misinformation claim. But alas, um, the jabs never provided sterilizing immunity. Actually, like I said, from the very beginning, I looked at the very limited data from Pfizer and Moderna's own trial data, and they did not even measure transmissibility. The only thing that they measured in their original clinical trial was, does this help prevent you from dying or having a severe illness? It, and that, even that information, that data was so negligible in terms of it showing any evidence. And now we know from all of the fraud that we're seeing in, in the Pfizer papers that are coming out slowly but surely, if you're paying attention to that, that actually more people died in the vaccine group than died in the placebo group right out of the gate. So even that was false because the clinical trial itself proved that more people were dying in the vaccine group than in the placebo group which you have to assume in a clinical trial that that is because of the medication. That's the assumption you have to make when you're trialing a medication. But all that to say, it never measured transmissibility. So you guys, when we were told that this in any way prevented you from getting COVID, that was always a lie. Okay. The second thing is they promised that this was safe and effective. This new technology would stay in your shoulder, right? The mRNA would that was injected into your body would stay in your shoulder. It would not travel all around the body, okay? This was interesting. I didn't really understand at the beginning why that mattered or what a big deal that was. You know, I just assumed that when you gave a shot that it did travel all over the body and that it was meant to travel all over the body. But it was interesting when I started to read things about, you know, the mRNA does not stay in the shoulder. I, I'm like, oh, I'm somebody that assumed it didn't stay in the shoulder. Like, it's kind of funny that we were supposed to believe that it did stay in the shoulder, but that has now been absolutely proven false. We now have seen in human autopsies of people who have died post-jab that the mRNA is all over the body. And we don't know what the lasting effect of that is. It was not studied, right? Pfizer told everybody that it couldn't escape the injection site and that made it more secure, more safe or whatever because we weren't. And we've now even seen that it can pass the blood-brain barrier, which is really insane because most medications cannot do that. They actually have to like engineer um medications and and vaccines or whatever it is that they want to get into the brain to cross over that barrier it's not something that happens automatically it is something that they're discovering is happening with the mrna and again we don't know what that means it might mean nothing but we don't know what that means there is no long-term data you are the test subject i mean you know that's the deal like that's the rough part about this is we're just gonna have to wait and see but i would 
venture to guess that it would be worse and worse the more you take in, especially knowing this. So if you have taken it, please don't take any more. Look at these sources and, and pay attention to what's happening and what has now been proven, okay? The third thing is we were assured that the mRNA and the spike protein factory subsided within hours, that you weren't actually making this spike protein for a prolonged period of time, right? That it was a very short moment where you were essentially producing this spike protein to give you this immunity and then it would shut off. That mRNA would tell the stuff, all the smart things, and it would shut off that spike protein factory and you'd be good to go. Well, now we know that is absolutely not true. This is one of the things that is very easy to prove. It is as much as two months post-injection, you're still manufacturing spike protein we don't know what that means we don't know what the negative effects of that but we do know that the actual spike protein is the toxin right it is toxic we we found that out right away oh turns out the spike protein is toxic to us that's actually the part that damages us from getting the actual virus itself, having COVID, the spike protein is the thing that does the damage. So when you get, that's why natural immunity, it gives you a more perfect uh, picture uh, or a more perfect uh, protection, I should say, against the virus in the wild. Whereas the vaccine, and this was again, something that we were told, oh, it works for all variants, but it was made for the original variant. And as the virus mutates, your natural immunity has a piece of all those mutations where the, the artificial immunity from the vaccine, you know, I hate to even use that word, is giving you a less perfect immunity. It's giving you just the, just the first um, variation of it. It's not giving you pieces of all of the variants. So it's just really interesting that now we're seeing, okay, this, this spike that is the actual toxin of the virus itself, it is the toxin of the vaccine, you get a little bit of it from having COVID, which is bad, which is the reason we didn't want to get COVID, right? This is why we all went on, you can't get COVID because you might die because of the spike protein. Then we inject it in our arm and make ourselves into spike protein producing factories, we were told that that would shut off almost immediately. And now we're learning, no, it does not shut off immediately. At least two months post-injection, we're still seeing the spike protein being manufactured in the body. Again, we do not know what that means, what that's going to be, what that's going to turn into or look like in the years to come. But we do know that it is toxic to the body and we there's no way to turn it off at this point. The fourth thing, they promised us that the mRNA was safe because it only targeted the shoulder muscle. It couldn't infect organ cells, lymph nodes, or other tissue. We now know, like I said before, it is migrating from the shoulder, but also it is it is able to infect any type of cell. So it's not so much just that it's not staying in the shoulder. That was one falsehood. But now we know that it is getting into any type of cell. So it says here in the newsletter, the big problem with this is that a cell infected by mRNA and shooting out spike proteins will be targeted by the body for destruction, just like any other kind of viral infection. The body doesn't like cells that aren't acting right, and it targets them for destruction with extreme prejudice. 
Worse, in order to protect the mRNA from immediate termination by the immune system, the mRNA particles were combined with immunosuppressant drugs called adjuvants. So for about the first week, while the adjuvants are suppressing your immune response, which, by the way, is why a lot of people get COVID right after they have a vaccination, because it suppresses your immune response, the mRNA now has free reign to infect your cells, whichever ones it can get to. So the end result is that jabbed people have lots of cells, quote unquote, infected with the mRNA, and the body is now trying to destroy all those cells, all those kinds of cells and essentially clearing them from the body. Unlike natural COVID spike that only targets a few types of cells, mRNA payloads can infect any type of cell. At that point, the body has a huge job to clear itself of all of these mRNA-infected cells, which may explain increased levels of autoimmune problems, which we're seeing in vaccine recipients. Also, this isn't referenced in his, um, you know, the things that we were lied to about, but there is a negative efficacy of the vaccine at this point. This is proven in all countries, and you guys can Google that and look it up. But if you have gotten the jab, if you've gotten three doses at this point, you are more likely than anyone else to get COVID at this point. If you got two jabs, you're less likely than the three jabs. The most unlikely to get COVID is actually the unvaccinated at this point. It does not say whether or not natural immunity is affect affecting this at all. It's just talking about jabbed versus unjabbed, double jabbed, triple jabbed. <laughs> so if you're triple jabbed, you're the most likely right now to actually get COVID. That is called a negative efficacy. It means you're more likely if you got it. What a lie. What a deception. Okay, the fifth thing, or I just gave you a little bonus. Okay, so now we're on the sixth thing maybe. Our friend Fauci promised us that it was conclusively determined that the mRNA would not infect the reproductive organs, right? They said it was completely safe for expectant mothers. Here's the deal. They did not test this on pregnant women. There was no testing. So the fact that when they opened the door for it to be given to pregnant women, which originally was not allowed with the original rollout of the vaccine, it was very shortly given the green light to allow for pregnant women to get the jab. There was not a, a trial done with pregnant women. Actually, if you read the original clinical trial data, it talks about even if you're thinking you might become pregnant, then you're not allowed to be in the trial. Like if you have to be on birth control, you, can't, you have to be abstinent during the time of being a part of the clinical trial because they did not do any studies and they had no idea, that's like a second thing that they do, how this would affect in utero, like how this would affect you being pregnant or even how it would affect your fertility long-term. Now, this was something that I was really, like one of my first objections was, how is this gonna affect fertility? Because we have now seen that vaccines in general, specifically the Gardasil vaccine, which is for uh, HPV, which was a vaccine that came out shortly after I was in college. I think it actually maybe came out when I was in college. So if you are in your early 30s or 20s, you very likely got this vaccine. And it was a new vaccine then. And now it is being revealed that it's like one of the most catastrophic ones in terms of infertility crisis. Like it is absolutely linked to all kinds of issues with female reproduction. So I, knowing that going into this was like, did we check this on fertility? Of course not, because we didn't have COVID a couple of years ago. So we sure didn't have this vaccine a couple of years ago. So we have no long-term data on fertility effectiveness or how it's affecting anything. We learned right out of the gate 
that women who were getting the jab had their menstruation affected loads. This was a huge um, issue. Not something that anybody was, obviously you're not going to die from your period being thrown off or coming late or, start, you know, bleeding heavy or blood clots or any of those things. So it wasn't something that was like a crisis situation, but it is an obvious red flag for fertility. This is an absolute, that's an indicator that your reproductive organs are being affected by this jab. And then we actually even saw non-jabbed people who were around jabbed people having affecting, it was affecting their menstruation as well, which is, you know, kind of led to some of this conversation about are the vaccinated people shedding this spike protein? And that was also investigated and looked to be anecdotally, yes, that vaccinated people for a period of time were shedding this spike protein, which actually then led them to investigate how long are the vaccinated people actually making the spike proteins? Because if they're shedding it weeks later, why are they still making spike protein? It's just really interesting as you've watched these things unfold. But now there is actual studies that show that we the spike protein is building up in specifically the ovaries, which again, it is unknown what that will mean, but we do now know that there is a buildup of spike protein in vaccinated people in the ovaries specifically, and some in the testes, I believe too, but most importantly and most specifically in the ovaries. So he talks a little bit about that in the newsletter, and you should definitely take a peek at that. They promised us, this is number six, that in no event could the mRNA enter the cell's nucleus or modified DNA. This was a big one because, of course, I hear mRNA, which is the messenger RNA. RNA is super closely linked to DNA. Of course, DNA is like our the book of life, if you will. Our DNA tells us that we have blonde hair and blue eyes or what have you. It tells us our genes, if we're a boy or a girl. It tells us everything about ourselves. And mRNA is the messenger you know, I can't remember the scientific terms. (laughs) And honestly, I was like, I feel like those things are connected. And if you're messing with mRNA, you've, it's got to at some point affect DNA. But I was assured up and down, there's no way that it could affect DNA. Well, (laughs) recent studies show that that's probably not true. We're actually seeing certain things um, I'm just going to read here again from the newsletter. It says, it says, at least one in vitro study has found the spike protein instructions being incorporated into cells' own DNA in a process called reverse transcription. The author reported that this type of RNA is reverse transcribed intracellularly into DNA as fast as six hours upon exposure to this mRNA. The possibilities of this are staggering. A rewired cell could produce spike protein forever, which could explain long COVID, where people appear to be permanently testing positive for COVID or even having symptoms. There's been a lot of vaccinated people that kind of then have like this long, almost like they have COVID and they can't get rid of it. Or if the body treats these rewired cells as cancerous, it could trigger autoimmune disease. Finally, modified sperm or egg cells could pass mutated DNA into all children's cells. So this could be not just a small, um, you know, one-off situation, but this could actually be modifying the entire human race. I don't mean to be like dramatic like that, but you can look at the information, it is linked. 
Okay, the last one that he talks about is one I've already talked about, which is that the mRNA is now proven to have passed the blood-brain barrier, which I kind of talked about already, so I'm not going to go over that again. Oh, and I almost forgot another deception mentioned in my dear friend's newsletter is the myocarditis and pericarditis, specifically myocarditis diagnoses that are through the roof in young boys young people generally, but primarily young boys. And the lie is that they're mild and that they will correct. And yes, that is the case with some, but the large majority of these diagnoses we're seeing now, months after the fact, that they're not improving. They're actually showing worse and worse health markers in cardiovascular health, which in a lot of cases of myocarditis in the past ends up in early death transplant need or long-term cardiovascular issues, right? It's not mild. (laughs) And a lot of the doctors have come out and said this right away, that myocarditis diagnoses are, can be really catastrophic. And, And a lot of these kids will never regain the same level of health or, you know, life ability as they had before. This is unbelievable that we're sacrificing our kids on the altar of public health based on lies, absolute lies. It hurts my heart. But those are just a couple of deceptions where we were told for sure it is safe and effective. Here's the deal. This is not even going over the VAERS numbers, you guys. This is not even looking at the staggering underreporting of vaccine injuries. This is not even looking at the anecdotal evidence all over the place of people whose doctors will not link these things to the vaccine. I just saw, gosh, the other day of a mother whose daughter passed out after she got her shot and the mother thought it was perfectly normal and took her home and she has a fever and oh, well, it's gonna be fine, right? I'm like, of course that mother's not reporting this as a vaccine adverse event. But I gotta tell you, my kids have their other vaccinations and not one time did they pass out. But I was warned that that is an adverse reaction. And even my doctor said, if they have a fever tonight, it might be normal, but if it spikes over a certain amount, you need to call us because that's an adverse event. These doctors are not encouraging these parents to report these events. These caretakers are not recognizing that when they're seeing adverse events, when people are going into the ER six days after vaccination, having seizures saying, this is from the vaccine, the doctors are saying there's no way it's from the vaccine. Anecdotal evidence again and again and again and again that will collectively tell a story of absolute atrocities against the human race. I mean, when we look back on this decades from now, I truly in my heart believe that it will be likened to the Holocaust, that there will just be such staggering effects from this long-term, short-term things that were never registered. This is not even mentioning or talking about this, this list, which is obviously not complete. It's not even talking about the fact that the death rate between ages 18 and 40 has risen by 40%. This is not COVID. This is once COVID deaths have been taken out of the picture. The death rate between 18 and 40 has risen by 40% over the last year. What is causing the death rate in that age group to skyrocket so much? We don't know. Some of us like to wager a guess 
there's a likely cause, right? We're not even talking about that. We're not even talking about the Veyer number, Veyer's numbers. We're not even talking about the skyrocketing rates of aggressive cancers that are turning up already. We're not even factoring those things in. We're not talking about the military data that was revealed, released, and freaked out over, and then covered up and, and changed and shifted. We're not even talking about that. We're not even talking about the fact that if you have an adverse event within 14 days after getting the first or second jab, that it's not even classified. Like if you die within 14 days of getting either of the jabs, it's not going to go down as an adverse event at all because you're not considered fully vaccinated for 14 days post your second jab. So if you have a heart attack, the minute after you get a jab, it is not going to be classified as an adverse event at all because you are not fully vaccinated. This is language warfare, information warfare. So not to even mention the fact that they're not counting any of those deaths, which we all know from all clinical data that has ever been collected in vaccine studies, most adverse events and death happen in the first 14 days. But if you're not even gonna count that, then you're gonna be able to manage the adverse event effect. We're not even talking about that deception and that lie. You guys, it's staggering. When you look at the information, when you examine what has been put down on humanity, it breaks my heart and brings me to my knees. And at first it made me mad. And at first I felt like, are you guys crazy people who are getting this jab? I, and I will say, I'm sure if you're a listener, you probably got that from me in my podcast. You maybe felt like I was like, are you crazy? And of course, at that time I felt like, are you crazy? But now I'm just like, I am so sorry. I am so sorry that you felt like you had to get it. I'm so sorry that you felt like that was the best option. I'm so sorry that somebody pressured you or that you feel deceived or that you didn't have the information that we now widely have or that you didn't look for it or that you trusted the wrong person. Like now I just feel sorry. Now I, I, I don't mean to say I have pity. I feel sad. I feel heartbroken over it. I feel like, oh man, if only we had said it louder, longer. If only there wasn't censorship, insane censorship on social media from valid, credible doctors trying to get the word out. If only they weren't slandered and you didn't believe that they were giving great information. If only you had access to the studies that I just absolutely read every day. If only we knew, if only you had all of this informed consent going into this, I'm sure that so many people would have made a different choice for this, that so many people would have not done it. And I just hope and pray that as this continues to be revealed and the scales fall from our eyes, that we see what is happening here and that we see there is a massive deception just waiting <laughs> to be rolled back out again because they will do it again. It may or may not be a vaccine. It may or may not be a virus. It may be something else, but they are not our friends. I mean, they, them, I mean, I don't mean they, them, like pronouns. I mean, they, the government, the elites, the bureaucrats, the Fauci's, the, the evil, the evil, the enemy. He's alive and well, and he is out, and his whole trick is deception. His whole game is to deceive, to lie, to steal, to destroy. 
and he has done a great work in the land in the last two years. And my prayer is that more scales will fall, more people will feel bolder, more people will feel filled, be filled with faith that God is sovereign over this and that he has got you and that he will protect you and that he will guide your feet and direct your path and that he is in control and you don't need to look to any other source to help you feel more secure or confident or comfortable because he is enough. And I also just hate to say it, but want to remind you that this is not our home. There is a better place. There is a paradise that is perfect and great where there is no sickness and there is perfect peace and there is no more pain or sadness or hurting where we are reunited with all the loved ones that we've lost who are believers. There is a place and now is the moment for us to all figure out where we think that is and who we think God is. Now is the time more than ever before. He is showing himself to us because he is showing his enemy to us. It is being laid very clear and we will not be able to give an excuse when the time comes. We will not be able to say, I didn't know you were real. I didn't see what you were trying to tell me because it is so obvious. It is in plain sight. So my continued prayer is that eyes would be open and evil would be revealed. And I hope and pray that this is doing that for even one person, that if you can click on a link and understand a little bit more and dive into a little bit more of a rabbit hole or email me, or if you want to get on the phone, I, this is just my heart is to reveal this evil and to empower people to not have to live in fear over any of these things because there is victory in Christ. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Father God, my prayer is that we would all have scales removed from our eyes more and more all the time, each and every day, Lord, that we would see what you're doing, that we would most importantly see who you are and how much you love us and that you are offering us a way out of the fear, a way out of the deception, a way out of the craziness and the chaos into perfect peace and order into your paradise, Lord. Let us just lift our eyes to you and continue to, to do that and to search for truth where you are revealing it, Lord, and that we would just break off the spirit of fear so that we do not fall for the enemy's tricks again, Lord. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.